Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello there and welcome once again to the WP Builds Podcast. This is episode number 238, entitled O is for Open Source. It was published on Thursday the 15th of July 2021. My name's Nathan Wrigley and in just a moment I'll be joined by my good friend David Wormsley so that we can have our chat about open source, but before then, a few short bits of housekeeping. I would really appreciate it if you found this podcast useful, that you go and review it somewhere. A typical place to do that would be on your podcast player of choice. If you feel that you want to give it a five-star review and a bit of a comment, that would be very nice indeed. Aside from that, head over to our website, which is wpbuilds.com, and there's a few URLs which I want to mention. The subscribe link at the top there will take you to a page where you can subscribe and keep in touch with all of the content that we produce each and every week. So that's a podcast that you're listening to now, comes out on a Thursday and there's a Monday show called This Week in WordPress, which I do each week with Paul Lacey and a couple of WordPress related people. And we chat about the WordPress news from the previous week. It's a lot of fun. And if you join us in the comments, we'll be sure to put some of those on the screen. Also, wpbuilds.com forward slash deals. A bit like Black Friday, but every day of the week. Go and check that out if you're in the market for something this week. You never know, you might get 10, 15, 20% or more off a purchase. Another one would be our new social network. It's a Mastodon install, which is a piece of free open source software, coincidentally. The URL for that is wpbuilds.social. It's slowly growing, but if you want to add and swell the numbers and join the conversation over there, wpbuilds.social. And yes, that is a URL. The last one is wpbuilds.com forward slash advertise if you would like to have your product or service in front of a WordPress-specific audience, a bit like A-B split tests have done. Do you want to set up your A-B split tests in record time? The new A-B split test plugin for WordPress will have you up and running in a couple of minutes. Use your existing pages and test anything against anything else. So that's buttons, images, headers, rows, anything. And the best part is that it works with Elementor, Beaver Builder, and the WordPress block editor. Check it out and get a free demo. absplittest.com. Okie dokie. We're talking about open source today. This fabulous, fabulous movement of people who create things freely available for the rest of us to take and modify. And WordPress is one such piece of software. There are benefits to this model and there's probably some drawbacks as well. And we talk about all of that on the podcast today. It's a really interesting subject. It's a bit of a philosophical position. So we do go deep into the weeds on what it's all about and what we make of it. And I hope that you enjoy it. Hello, it's another A to Z of WordPress, the series where we attempt to cover all the major aspects of building and maintaining sites with WordPress. Today is O for open source, or perhaps for, oh my gosh, what have we opened up here with this one? Yeah, I'm going to say right at the outset, right at the outset, I should say, that uh, every opinion that I express is David's. <laughs> <laughs> It's David's opinion. He owns all of it. Anything that we say, it's it's, it's on him. (laughs) Well, it's such a key part of WordPress, isn't it? Uh, I mean, every state of the word that Matt Muller does, certainly over the recent year, reminds us that open source is one of the main benefits of WordPress. That license that comes, the GPL license, general public license, where we own all of us, the WordPress software, any themes or plugins, derivatives of it is ours. No one else owns it. And that gives us a lot of protection, doesn't it? It is the most remarkable thing. In a sense, it's kind of almost like philanthropic, you know, just the idea that that something has been made and is completely free for you to take, modify, do what you like with it anything that you like with it and deploy it in any which way, shape or form with with certain limitations on that, but not a great many limitations. Mm. It's incredible. And I'm sure, David, you've had the, the conversation with clients where you, 
you it's pretty clear that they've not really encountered anything open source before you know we live in a, a fairly capitalist world where you pay for something and mm. you get something in return and that seems to be the model and then you tell them that you're going to use a piece of free software and the the silence yes. is deafening you know because what do you mean it's free well <laughs> it, it's free you don't have to pay for it well i don't want a fr- that'll be rubbish can we get a better one well no it's really good it's just a different mindset and one that most people are not accustomed to. Yeah, I wonder actually to what extent people know the difference between the commercial side of WordPress and the non-commercial. And because WordPress is the name, it's just a big brand now yeah. that I feel like I've not needed to explain it too much. In fact, if anything, I've needed to explain there are two WordPresses out there, mm. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I, yeah, so I, I actually don't know. I mean, it, I think it is interesting. And again, really, the whole of the Gutenberg project as well has been it, open source has been one of the reasons for it, the need to um, create a product out there that is still open source, which can compete with the likes of Wix, Squarespace and Shopify as well. I mean, that was one of the, the opening gambits on the start of the, the Gutenberg project, at least of you know, what Matt Mullenweg addressed anyway. So, you know, it's key to everything we do in WordPress, I think. Yeah, it is It is the bedrock of absolutely everything. But it's also held behind sort of GPL licenses and things like that. We've tried to tackle that in various other podcasts, and I think probably it's fair to say we failed horribly, but we, we at least gave it a go. <laughs> and But it is kind of mysterious. You know, there's an awful lot of mystery about what you're entitled to do and what you aren't entitled to do. But there is no doubt in my mind that the community that has grown up around WordPress, if it wasn't an open source model, then it wouldn't be the community that we've got and the software probably wouldn't have advanced. And But I think you've got to tie the two together, the .com side, the commercial side, and the .org side, the free, as in beer side, because I think mm-hmm. without one, the other probably wouldn't have been successful and vice versa. Yeah. Nathan, you put out, this is some time back now, a tweet and a Facebook post um, about the acquisitions that are going on in WordPress. And I thought we could just maybe tie this in a little bit with open source because when you think about it, it just seems kind of crazy, doesn't it? That It sounds crazy from the beginning. If you've just grown up in a capitalist world, the idea that people come together and give their time up for free to create something for free for everyone seems incredible. But now we're living in an age now where we see lots of acquisitions in the WordPress space. And what are your thoughts on it? Well, it's really interesting. My, As, as is so often the case, I'm left not really knowing what my thoughts are because I... I can see both sides of it. On the one hand, there are people who are saying that it's it's a maturation. It, this is the the the, the WordPress project mm-hmm. maturing, and the the acquisition of smaller plugins and themes and what have you by larger entities is just how how industry progresses. That's just the nature of commerce. In the end, you get a few mm-hmm. players who, for reasons of success in the past and what have you they managed to have have grown to a certain size where they can consume and acquire other things so people are very sanguine about that and they feel that this is just how it goes it gives it gives employees stability let's say that you're working for a company a plug-in company and they're acquired by a bigger company you as an employee might yeah. get some great benefits from that you might for example receive health care or you might get a greater job security or even increase pay and reduced hours who knows how that might go but also it allows plugin developers to have some sort of path to success you know one of the one of the metrics might be i want to build this up, up to i don't know let's just make numbers up up to half a million users and when i get to that point i'm going to try and sell it that is that is the yeah. the, the goal that's the roadmap and when i get there i'll be able to sell it and that's my that's the productivity that i want to get out of this and it will change my life and and i don't want to be the person who has built a plugin and ends up supporting it for 40 years or whatever that might be so I can really see the benefits. On the other hand, we have a, an open source community. And I think it's fair to say that on balance, open source communities are, tend to be frequented by 
um, by people who maybe don't necessarily represent the, the the broad spectrum of political thought, if you know what I mean. I'm trying to be very careful in the language mm. that I use here. But <laughs> open source projects, you know, they are, in a sense, they are, let's, let's call it, against capitalism. They have a different focus. It's not about generating as much revenue as possible. And so there's concern on that side that it, the, the acquisition of these companies and the commercialization of all of this kind of goes against that ethos a little bit. And so people are concerned and they're worried that give it another five years and most of the good stuff in their argument, most of the good stuff will be owned by just a few mm. giant companies and that's that's their point of concern. So there you go. I've sat on the fence beautifully there. Yeah, you have. No, I think it's I just think it's so fascinating that it's going on, the acquisitions, because obviously those people who say things are maturing and that's just natural. That is capitalist thinking in a way, isn't it? And how yeah. it sits in the open source, which seems to be everything against it. Uh, why it even works seems incredible. The, just this basic idea that people do stuff for free just is anti-capitalism and you're right you know the people in the community there are, are kind of different i guess the people who give in their time to kind of work for the the betterment of our world i guess but you know there's always there's always a, a selfish motive in all of us i guess somewhere underneath that you know maybe it just makes us feel better to do that or to have those beliefs but yeah i just think it's fascinating but also just from the the side of the companies you know who are uh, you know there's lots of them now buying lots of software which effectively they still don't get to own do they 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 buy a company and their software but that software is still owned by all of us yeah so that's the curious thing in that if you if you create software which in any way kind of bolts into wordpress then it it has to it has to have derivatives of it essentially you can fork it and take it off so even mm. if you're buying a plugin for, for the sake of argument you're not really buying the code you're buying because well you you sort of are, but you're not because anybody can just say, well, I'd like to take that code and do something different with it. And you're entitled to do it. That's part of the, the GPL. So what are you buying? <laughs> yeah. And also, the interesting thing about it, this, it seems strange to me because companies are buying these and, and it seems like they're having success with it. But and I guess this may be just a little silo of our Facebook groups where I hang out, but very few people are quite positive about the idea of an acquisition. Hmm. Um, it, those who own the software already or those who are considering buying the software when they heard it's, heard, heard it's being sold, they ten, there tends to be more cynicism around that. Yeah, I guess I guess anything that that upsets the the normal running of anything is a cause for concern isn't it and and in the case of certain notable plugins which have been acquired recently whose user base is absolutely massive anything which which brings into question how that will be licensed in the future and how that will be paid for in the future and what the license agreement will be in terms of the cost and so on is going to concern you because some plugins your entire business may be enormously reliant upon it so I don't I don't I'm not sure if it's cynicism in the sense of this is all bad more cynicism as oh here we go again now we've got to figure out what all this means um yeah, but I think I, I guess so people. yeah but the, the 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 recent there was a recent WP engine piece which came out which valued the mm. WordPress economy um, I won't go into the details of it, but imagine everything connected to WordPress, basically. They they think that that mm. economy is now worth over half a trillion dollars, so 500 plus billion dollars. So that's a mind-numbingly large amount of money. And if we wish for things to progress and things to develop, then we do need to pay people to put their put themselves in a in front of a screen to organize community events to do the the full gamut of things which an open source project requires to be successful and in many cases that requires finance and so it is hard to ignore mm. those those arguments about acquisition because there is a lot of money floating about we get a lot of value for nothing as in for no money down because we can download it and, mm. and what have you but there is also the the part of the commercial part which makes it makes it possible to have a career 
in WordPress and actually generate enough money to put food on the table. And that I think is one of the one of the reasons some other projects haven't been quite so successful is because they didn't have the commercial bit. Everything was free, everything mm. was open source, and it was very much. Uh, I've been in a variety of different communities, and you got the impression that if it had a paid component, then it was in and of itself kind of anti the project and uh, wrong essentially. Mm. And it turns out that over time they have become less dominant and WordPress has become more dominant. And maybe that's a key component of that. Yeah. So, I mean, with acquisitions, I think I'm lumping them all together, but they seem very different to me. I mean, the majority that we've seen have been larger hosting companies buying WordPress software. So like WP Engine, like Liquid Web, they've been buying up quite a lot of that. But then there are some which seem entirely different to me. Um, such as Delicious Brains acquiring the Advanced Custom Fields plugin, where they're entirely taking on the the project itself. Seems it seems an entirely different type of acquisition. I think so. And in that case, I don't really have a, any any insight to offer here. But I, my impression from everything that I've read around this is that Elliot Condon, the the creator of mm. ACF, really did go out looking for the 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 candidate that he preferred and that he thought would be the best fit and in this case it was a bunch of very like-minded people who who were keen on the quality of the the code that they output and you know obviously had a track record of creating some solid plugins and investing in support and, and all of the things that Elliot valued so that was just a different one mm. I, I have literally no idea what was involved in that but um, it was a it felt different didn't it because it wasn't a, a mm. giant company acquiring a smaller entity to sort of bolster its offering in this case they almost i could be wrong about this they felt like almost like the underdog bought the big player like the opposite way around <laughs> yes yeah do you know the interesting thought that i've just had not never had this before but do you think maybe the gutenberg project has changed the the types of acquisitions we've got because really wordpress is really moving from a basic simple CMS where everyone adds their own thing on top of it to becoming a fully fledged site builder along the lines of Wix appealing to a wider audience. And do you think that's maybe why a lot of the hosting companies are going for that? Because it, it's a way of being able to deliver their own Wix through their hosting. Yeah, can I mean, imagine a space in which, well, over the last four or five years, if you've been involved in building websites on WordPress, well, going further back, then you either had to understand the PHP templating system, or more recently, you've been able to download a page builder. And so there was a cost associated with getting everything up and running. Either it was an intellectual cost and you had to devote the time to getting your PHP skills and learn the, the way that the, the WordPress hierarchy works and all of that stuff. Or you had to invest in a third-party solution and then you were kind of siloed over there. Now it feels like the future is very much most things built on top of blocks. And so the I mm. think we've got to 40 two odd percent of the internet it only feels to me at the minute as if that's going to get better when more and more things can be done in a simple way and everything can be mm. done in that simple way it kind of feels like that 42 percent is actually going to grow potentially even more rapidly and when you can do all the the e-commerce things in there and so you can run a shop not just a website and the conversation is bound to happen. You know, inexperienced people will say, well, I'm, I need to get a website up and running for my business. What have you used for yours? And 42% of them are going to say, well, I use WordPress. Oh, oh okay, I'll go and mm. download that and use that. It just feels like that that's going to snowball. And yes, I think Gutenberg is a big part of that because it's it's going to allow really simple things to be done by everybody and you won't need to learn three proprietary different things to make it happen i i think the hosting companies who are buying must be thinking along that i mean the things that they bought they haven't gone out and bought independent page builders that we've seen so mm. far i can't think yeah. of a an example of that they bought something which helps you work with blocks so in the case of wp engine it's been um the whole genesis theme yeah. with the genesis blocks yeah, think, with liquid it a, web, it's, it it's atomic been cadence. blocks that they bought. I think it was something like that. Atomic. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah. That's 
That's right. Renamed it to Genesis. So uh, it does seem like when it comes to the big hosting companies buying, they're buying, I think, into the whole site building and the Gutenberg. That seems the way it's going Yeah. Um, to me. So they can serve WordPress and serve these extra customers. So it kind of makes sense. I never really thought about that until we started discussing that. Yeah. So, but I, know, I the think the kind it, of acquisitions. Yeah. And the, the, just the fact that all of this is going to become free and freely available really will make it a compelling mm rival for the the out and out commercial um rivals you know wix and squarespace and what have you what's interesting is that the the only component which will always basically remain not free no matter how good these builders become the only component which Mm -hmm. will never be free will be the hosting if if gutenberg delivers on the promise of having Full site editing, really capable, really easy to do. WooCommerce, it's translatable, uh, and it becomes the the operating system for the web in a way. You know, the Gutenberg editor gets ported over to all sorts of phone apps and so on. The only bit which you're going to mm. need to pay for is still the hosting. So it kind of does make a great deal of sense for these hosting companies to to be hoovering up all of the 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 bells and whistles bits, which make the the editing experience easier. And possibly as well, you know, when I was thinking what they are acquiring, uh, you know, the, the customers probably developer skills as well and reputation. But I guess, yeah, uh, thinking along the, the block editor and, and Gutenberg project, that kind of makes sense to grab either of those customers also that were interested in uh, Gutenberg in the first place would be useful, even if the, the product they bought isn't the one that they go with long term yeah it feels to me as if obviously if you're acquiring a a a plugin or a theme or what have you that that is you're not getting the code as i said earlier what are you buying you are getting Mm. the customers Mm. you're getting the email lists you're getting you know you're potentially taking on board the the developers they're coming on and working for your team like you said reputation and what have you or Mm. you've um you've also alluded Mm. on the show notes that we've got to something which may be missing from their own suite but it feels to Mm. me as if if the hosting companies are aligning themselves to offer a particular way of doing wordpress so it feels to me as if hosting company x over here is is buying all the things which make e-commerce really easy to do and so you know if Mm. you want a woocommerce site Mm. the default option will be this do it through this hosting company. After all, that's the bit you're going to have to pay for anyway. And they've got all these other mm. things which they can throw at you to make WooCommerce much easier to work with. If you're doing an, an LMS, haven't really seen a hosting company going down this route, but it, maybe that'll be a way to do it. You know, if you want to do learning management stuff, go with this hosting company because they've got they've bought up all the the good stuff around that as well. And so little little hosting company silos developing. Yeah. There's a, there's a YouTube video, a humorous one about acquisitions, which I keep sharing. Um, and it's, it, it characterizes acquisitions have always been kind of failures, if you like. The, the, the YouTube video features someone who's not invited to a party on a new acquisition. And they, they go back to the last one he went to where someone's saying, it's great news. We've just been acquired. This company totally get our philosophy and it's going to take us forward. And the, the guy interrupts and says, nah, it's not going to happen, is it? You didn't have a business model in the first place. You couldn't make any money out of it. That's why you're selling up. And this company who made their money 20 years ago were just hoovering up anything in the hope that they'll keep going with, with new stuff. And, um, there is that other side of acquisitions, which I think about, which is true. A lot of stuff is acquired that kind of goes nowhere. It's just people have got the budget and they're, they're looking to increase their portfolio. The, 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 of course, that brings the, the argument to mind of whether or not you're buying just so that your competitors can't buy something. You know, you're, you're literally taking <laughs> competition out of the marketplace. Yeah. I, I can't honestly think of an example in the WordPress space where... I could say that feels like that's what was occurring, but I'm sure that in the in the wider world, large companies do buy up companies all the time that they just perceive are going to offer a threat in the future. So you just you just buy them up so that they don't pose that threat in the future. Yeah. Oh, and WordPress must be in 
we're, we're in an, an age where this is all just kind of untested. I mean, the, obviously, there's lots of open source software out there, patchy, you know, things that are huge. But you just don't see what's going on in the, the WordPress community. It doesn't serve the end user so directly, I guess. Um, I mean, I use a lot of open source software myself, just small tools. You know, I'll watch my videos on open source software. I'll, yep. I'll do some of my editing on some of it but uh I've, I've not seen have you anything in the open source world which is similar to what's going on in wordpress at the moment no no there, there doesn't well i don't really know because i don't really I, I can imagine which bits of software you're talking about i imagine that you're talking about vlc as the the sort of way that yes, you play yes. your media i don't really have any insight into whether that's the dominant thing because yeah over on the on the computer side of things, you know, if you buy an Apple Mac or you buy a Windows computer or, you know, you get a Linux box up and running, it comes with a default yeah. and the default's probably fairly good. You know, the, the Windows Media Player, I don't even know if it's called that anymore, but in the case of Apple, it's called QuickTime and it plays everything and it's perfectly all right. Yeah, It's difficult to know whether there is a, a sort of dominance there, but definitely we are we are experiencing dominance in the, the internet space. I, I'm sure... I don't even know if it's healthy if you actually think about it this way. You're always, always told as a as you're growing up that competition is the sort of driving force of capitalism. I mean, everything needs to be in competition with everything else. We are kind of getting to the point where WordPress almost doesn't really have a great deal of competition. The default very soon, once you flip over 50%, you're more than half of the internet, if you like, you do, do start yeah. to think, well, where is the competition? Is there competition? And of course... The answer is yes. You can go out and download other stuff, but you get you become the default, and then you get the tyranny of the default. Is the default any good? And so it goes. Oh boy, you could really open a can of worms. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could flip, couldn't it? I mean, I, the a question. One of the questions I thought we should discuss is whether open source is as good as it sounds. You know, is it really ever free as such? Because most of the stuff, I mean, the reason why open source is popular is because people are able to sell premium add-ons to most yeah. of us. I would argue that it really is free in that I think I could put together a pretty decent website that would serve the majority of people's basic needs with utterly free things. So obviously we've got the yeah. CMS itself and there's contact forms which are free. There's now ways of laying out websites which are completely free. And even on the commercial side, you've got the free offerings from the, the for example, the page builders and what have you. It's completely free and they would do the job. The, the thing is, most yeah. of us are curious to explore different options and we are we are being told all the time that you know you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to make sure your SEO is taken care of. And, and unless you are prepared to spend absolutely ages figure every, figuring everything out, we do just dip into our pockets now and again, and um, and that's a good thing because, as I said, we need yeah. to make sure these developers have got a career path. But yes, I think I think you could easily build a WordPress website which was functional, albeit probably not as complicated as other ones might be, for nothing, absolutely no money, just time. Yeah. I mean, it seems to make sense that that's part of the reason for its success is that it's free. But I guess there are other there are other products out there where the free option isn't. Uh, I mean, software itself, we were mentioning Linux, you know, uh, most people won't go and install that. They'll probably go for Windows or, yeah, you know, Apple products. And so yeah, maybe free isn't maybe what made it a success. I don't know. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I think that, in the case of the the computers, so for example, Windows, it, it, I think it's just familiarity. Windows really was the best thing for a while, and it was what everybody had, and they made a bunch of software. I'm thinking about Word and all of their Office products, which quickly became mm. the default. And there was mm. no way at that point that the open source projects could keep up with that. And, and so it, there was clear blue sky between what Microsoft were offering and and the sort of the, the quality in inverted commas of what the free stuff was. And so it became the default. But I'm, I'm now nah. pretty sure that most people are, are quite willing to use in inverted commas, I'm going to say free, 
software offerings like Google Docs. I know that comes with many strings attached, but you know, it doesn't actually cost you anything if you're not on a workspace account, if yeah. you're just on a Gmail account. Most people have sort of flipped over to that. So I'm I'm not really sure. I think I th- yeah, I think if there was a fee attached to it, you would be far less yeah. likely to give it a try. I remember, do you remember a CMS called Expression Engine, which back in the day, mm. back in, oh, I don't know, I'm going to say like 2004 or something like that, was a, a total rival to things like WordPress mm. and Movable Type and Joomla and all of these mm. other ones. But it had a fee, and I think it was $199 or something like that per install. And I never played with it. Even though lots of people were writing fabulous things about it, I never played with it because I just couldn't couldn't bear to to put $199 down and then discover that I didn't like it or that it couldn't do the things that I wanted it to. So I was always drawn to the yeah. free things because then I could experiment and play. And luckily, enough people experimented and played with WordPress and other things and then decided, well, I actually want to make this better and so didn't just stop at the point of using it and consuming it. They actually decided they were going to get involved and and become part of the community that built it, but without any fee attached. They just dedicated some of their time because they could see that it was yeah. a, a better thing. It's really curious, isn't it? Because a lot of us are probably commercial rivals to 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 some of the people that we go to WordCamps with, and yet we sit there and we talk mm. about how to solve different things to our rivals and it all's very open and jolly and very nice it's a very strange community yes and i think you made a really good point actually on the software it's about what was established and the expectations and i guess you know going back i mean i was learning to build websites when it was just html and css was new and everything was free the the internet the basic code of the internet was free so i guess it it would be quite a jump to start building sites with a CMS then and have to pay for it in the first instance, where if I bought a computer, the software would come with it. I've already forked out some money. Do you so, know what, yeah, do you, I can see. Do you know what I think one of the great successes of WordPress was back in the day? was I think it was it was just easy to use and it looked good, which sounds mm. ridiculous, but I'm sure it contributed and what I, when I say it was easy to use, you know, it did start out as a blogging platform and that was what it did. And then custom fields came along and people started to make use of that. But it re- they, the project really did make it look fabulous. And, you know, you look back at the time machine of how the, the admin UI has changed and you obviously go back and you think, oh, wow, how did we ever cope with that? That's so ugly. But if you compare <laughs> it to yeah. some of the other ones that I was using... It's, yeah. it's it's less ugly. And and I think, although it's probably time for a bit of a refresh, it, it's still, it looks really nice on the inside. You know, you poke around and everything's fairly consistent and there's a consistent color scheme and there's a consistent way that the buttons look and so on. It just it just looks really polished. And, and I'm sure that that had a great impact because people could instantly settle into it and start using it and understand it because it wasn't, trying to do a billion complicated things it was just publishing stuff and uploading images and putting things on the internet and the complexity to be honest the complexity is why we've got jobs in wordpress still is because people Mm. want complexity and the complexity is where it gets difficult but if you just want a blog and you don't care about the theme being Mm. anything other than some kind of default that you click and install and implement and activate then you don't Mm. really need somebody like you or like me you can just do all of that yourself but luckily people are hoping to have more functionality and different things built in there Mm. and so there are there are careers for us but i'm sure that the way it looked and felt was a big contributing factor Mm. have you do you make a stand on um open source do you always use it i mean if there was a if a client came to you to build a site and uh, would you just say, I'm only going to work with open source or would you consider going off to a platform like Shopify and working with a client? No, in my case, I will, I will literally only work with WordPress just because that's, I, for me, I kind of feel that you might as well get reasonably good. I'm not for a minute suggesting I'm particularly great or anything, but uh, you might, you might as well get better at one thing than trying to do a billion other things. If you can make that work. And for me, that has worked. I was able to just concentrate on WordPress and dedicate my time to it. So 
yeah, that that is my position. But it's not an intellectual position. You know, if it hadn't have worked out that way and work was harder to come by and somebody said, we'd like a Shopify thing implementing, please, then absolutely I, I would have done. I don't really have any... I don't really have any um, constraints telling me, no, it must be open source. What about you? Do you? Yeah, I kind of have. I've made it my thing for the business. I, well, the, I've got a rationale with it. So even within WordPress, we can end up not being in open source. I mean, it, technically, it's disputable, but there are some premium software which isn't fully open source, which works on WordPress. So you could end up without the protection of the GPL. So I've always stuck to that. And it's the same with, you know, using any of the kind of images or anything, unless the client's buying it, because I felt in my, so I've not wanted to use any software at all within WordPress that doesn't have full GPL, because I felt if I needed to hand over something to the client as their responsibility, I needed to give them full ownership of that. Mm. Um, rather than it be signed up with someone else, or I didn't want to have the whole conversation that I feel to protect myself, I'd need to have with them. So, you know, I've, I've installed this plugin, you know, um, it needs updating and this is the commercial entity behind it who need to, to do that. And you don't, because at least if I hand over something that I know is GPL, even if it comes, which it does in my case with Beaver Builder, with this ongoing updating, when I've handed over the site, it is technically theirs legally theirs yeah it's a good point i hadn't really come at it from the the handing it over to clients angle but that is a really nice and reassuring part of the jigsaw puzzle as well isn't it you really can give it to them um i guess if they start to pay for their own licenses and their gpl then they really 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 have ownership of that and you you know there are ways of going circumventing that and them using your licenses if that's applicable in the case of particular plugins or not but they do own it at the end and that's a really nice thing to be able to say it's yours and another nice thing to be able to say is that with wordpress occupying 42 percent of the web if for some reason Mm. we part ways i i've built this website for you but if we part ways fear not there's dozens of people within a few miles of where you live who can just pick it up and go running with it because they're also using wordpress so you've got this this interoperability of people using it so you don't just have to stick with this agency you can grow to a bigger agency or just swap the agent the agent that you're using in a in a particular town and so on yeah, exactly. I think the the thing about the open source, why I thought I'm going to make sure that everything I use really does have that, you know, legally is allowing me to give that to the client because yeah. then what they paid from me is is just the service, my skills. Um, uh, I haven't upsold them a, a product as such, even though in a way I have because I'm always using premium products for nearly all of the sites lots of them as well but at that point yeah that's the key thing for me but you know what um go on sorry well no i was just going to say i also think that the whole plugin architecture of wordpress is a thing which is really is a great selling point for for clients because they can see that there's this massive marketplace and now we're really familiar with with our phones that we buy you know you buy the the iphone or you buy your android phone and you realize that that's basically a conduit. It does some basic stuff. It'll do a phone call. It's probably got some built-in things that it'll do. You know, it'll do timers and it'll got a clock on it and all that kind of stuff. But really, you're buying it in, in great measure so that you can add, add things into it. You can install your favorite health tracking app or you can install your favorite to-do list app. So the yeah. the iPhone is a is a conduit to put other things into it apps and the so are the Android phones and you could say the same for for WordPress and I've I've really seen it on clients' faces when they suddenly realise oh and wow it can do that well yeah it can it can't do it out of the box but the way it's built is such that other people can develop things and you can go off and you can buy that thing and it really doesn't cost yeah. a lot of money and it'll do ninety five percent of everything that you want you might have to forgo this little thing. But it'll do most of what you want, and um, and you're off to the races. So that that's a really great part of the the project as well. But I guess it leads us into where things can be <laughs> slightly off with open source, because isn't it a bit messy? Oh uh, yeah, I mean it's it it's not 
I, I don't really want to say this, but I guess it's it's not really got the the capability to be as laser focused as as a commercial <laughs> yeah. entity where you know a commercial entity, let's say they're producing um, a piece of CMS software for a giant blue chip company, and it's bespoke and it's exactly yeah. what they need. So you know you, yeah. you log on to any banking website, you're pretty sure it's not a open source CMS that they're using to actually handle the transactions and the money in the background. I'm imagining it's proprietary code that's been in- inspected by countless different authorities from countless different countries, and and they're paying a company to do that for them. And the the great thing about that is if something goes wrong or needs updating, they can just do it right now, and it's done, and they don't have to worry about the capabilities of the project. So the the, yeah. the sort of the the way that they can adapt and move on to exactly what they need is is something that we yeah. probably don't have and and it's a bit of a slow moving beast but i kind of like that nature of it yeah so i guess it's only when i've done the odd woocommerce project where i start to get really nervous about the dependency on a number of different extensions from different authors and I'm still actually uh, gobsmacked by how well it seems to hold together. Um, you know, one of the sites that I've got has got busier and busier and we've put more and more stuff on it and it still holds together. But I always, I'm always feeling very nervous about the fact that it is kind of messy. And then any site you build where you've got a number of plugins, you know, talked about it no end of times, you know, the whole notification system, people putting their own advertising on it can turn your site, your back end of your site into an absolute mess with all these different people uh, applying their own interfaces to the back end. And yeah, well, the yeah, conflicts as well. That that's the, That's the nature of the beast, isn't it? If you are going to use third party solutions to, to build out things which are complicated and mission critical, you are just, to a certain extent, you're crossing your fingers and praying. Unless you've, in every sense, gone through every line of code and seen that it doesn't leak things, it's built in a way to be extensible, it works with the way that WordPress works and so on and so forth, you are you are just crossing your fingers and praying a little bit. But you are also probably paying a tiny amount of money for that thing to be on the website and that functionality to be available. Whereas if you had to build all of the bits that yeah. made up the interlocking plugins that you've got on that WooCommerce site, it costs you thousands, tens, hundreds of thousands. But you would know yeah. what was going on and you would have people that you could go to to fix things that broke. With this, you are definitely relying on the, the developer to stick around, the developer to be interested, for them to be timely in their support. Um, yeah, it's a difficult one, yeah. isn't it? Really difficult. It is, and I think, you know... One thing about going with third parties and proprietary code is that you'll you go to someone who you paid money to and expect them to give you the support for their entire system. Right. Where if you use a lot of different plugins, you've got a lot of different sources for that support. And it, this is one of the things that I think will be quite difficult for Gutenberg becoming a kind of site builder is the fact, who do you go to for support for that? Yeah. It's going to be community support, you know, isn't it? It really will be just it does. community support. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. I mean, previously, even before, if you just view it as a simple CMS, if you needed to buy your page builder on top, then your page builder was going to provide that support. If if Gutenberg becomes the page builder, um, yeah, you, you're stuck with the community for that, which is, it's you know. Well, of course, it, unless, it can be quite time consuming. Yeah, unless the again the 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 community gets involved and and commercial enterprises pop up. So we've got lots and lots of different options now for website mm. care plan maintenance companies. If you know what I mean, you know, you basically pay them a monthly fee, and they will offer you support. They'll update things for you. They will troubleshoot things for you. Figure things out, and um, and I think that's part of the whole hosting thing. You know, although. It's not entirely the case that they'll fix every problem. A lot of the hosts, especially the WordPress managed hosts, they are they are willing to go the extra mile to try and figure out your problems. But I do see that being a growing market as Gutenberg and the, the problems that will inevitably arise with its implementation of full site editing and what have you come along. It feels like those companies that do these maintenance um, packages will be able to take on that burden a little bit more. 
Uh, yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, it will generate its own services to be yeah. able to help with support and maintenance. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, yeah. And in the same way so that... So you're optimistic. Sorry, you carry on. <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say, so you're quite optimistic about uh, open source and, and where everything's going with WordPress. I think so. Oh, yeah, it certainly. I, do. I just can't see at the minute, I can't see any impediment to WordPress becoming, going, busting through the 50% barrier. It just just seems like it's mm. it's becoming the default, and everybody's talking about it, and it's growing and growing and growing. So, yeah, I am. It, it never ceases to amaze me that the model works, though. I, I I'm always thinking, this is it's you know, there's just so many things about it. If you look at it, if you're if you have only dealt with the commercial side of life, you must look mm. at projects like WordPress and the open source, and it, you must be confused by it. How does that work? What it's built by volunteers. Yes, on the whole, it's built by... Well, it's not entirely, but some people volunteer their time. What, mm. they give their time for free? Yes. What do they get back? Well, it's better. It's a better piece of software. Yeah, no, but what do they get back money-wise? Well, nothing. Why do they do it? Because they're nice. Well, that can't work. <laughs> it just... It, you when know, you, logically, it doesn't make any sense, but it does. But it has taken a bit of a turn, don't you think, in a way, because... To volunteer for WordPress in the past, where it was a fairly simple platform that people built on the top of, so one, it was the the basic CMS, it wouldn't require much from volunteer uh, workers who would, you know, then build their own stuff and have a reason. They would be invested in making sure that this basic CMS. Now, what's kind of different about it is that it's its own kind of big site builder, partly in competition with a lot of the people who would have contributed to it before. So, and with all the acquisitions, it kind of feels like things have changed quite a lot over recent years. I think, you know, open source, as I understood it in the early days, seems very different now. In a way, it has to be financed a little bit by automatic doesn't it a, yes a commercial concern yeah uh, to, to get it to to where it is now I, d I wonder if if it's not really the same open source that it used to be that that if you like the goodwill of people doesn't stretch that far and it, it wouldn't be moving in the way that gutenberg is if it wasn't that it had money behind it from a commercial source yeah i'm sure if you've been with WordPress since right at the very, very beginning, and you were to, mm. to chart how it behaved at that time when you know they Matt Matt Mullenweg and Mike Little forked B two mm. and there was a handful of people involved and they they did amazing things really quickly. I'm sure that was a very different feeling to how it is now, and it goes back to what we were saying at the beginning. You know, in order to make a piece of software that can run forty two percent of the web, I could just keep saying that the there has to, there really has to be some sort of commercial component. There's no way that a piece of software that purports to do all of the things that it does could be done without some finance to pay people to do it. And so I'm sure the flavor, the feeling of it has changed. And I, I'm sure that people have dropped out of the community because they've been disgruntled by the way that things have turned out and the, the commercialization of it all. There must be countless people who've just said, sayonara, I'm going to go and use something else. And they have. But but it, it doesn't concern me. I think at the moment it all feels very healthy, mm. if slightly confusing, especially as we alluded to with all these acquisitions going on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I would imagine, and it's just purely a guess, that what uh, what keeps the project running now and the amount of work that's got it, because obviously it's speeded up, hasn't it? It used to get an update once a year, and it would be a fairly trivial update. These days, it's huge site building with lots and lots of features coming in. And I'm sure the dimensions of that have changed the amount that's been funded commercially against what used to be just people turning up, you know, the... The, the kind of different folks we were talking about, the anoraks who would be into this, you know. <laughs> I'm sure the percentage of those has reduced now. So open source is changing. But at the same, I'm, I'm kind of generally positive about it. I do, I do kind of agree with Matt Mullenweg. That is the thing about uh, WordPress, you know, that we do need to... Uh, it's a good thing that open source is leading the way when it comes to... Uh, developing websites on the, the net. I think it's just so important for that to be free. I feel that people are 
there's a lot of people who are becoming more, more curious about open source as well in that I think 10 years ago, really only people who were into software would have known anything about what that even means. But I feel it's like a good yeah. badge to put on your product that this thing is open source. That seems to be you download software a lot nowadays and they're they're making that claim and they're linking to their GitHub repository. And, and it seems to be a almost like a badge of, look, we're building this out in the open. That's a good thing because it means that anybody can inspect our code. And with with modern concerns about tracking and collection of data, it's important that people can inspect the code to see where that data is going. And are, are you sending it where you say you're sending it? Let's get somebody to look at the source code. Yes, they are. Look, there it is. It's in the source code. We've downloaded it and we've inspected it. So it feels like it's it's a great way of instilling trust in an era where people are very concerned about what data is being used and how it's being used. And, you know, companies like Apple, are, mm. whilst none of their stuff is open source, they're banging that gong of um, data privacy and all of this kind of stuff. And, and it just makes it more more in the purview of ordinary people, I think. Yeah, I, I imagine, you know, could be wrong on this, that things have changed. I mean, I think when I came into WordPress, I think there were... It was the general view I got was that larger companies looking to build a website that needed a CMS wouldn't think about WordPress, not because where it was at that time technologically, just because of the fact that it was open source and they wanted, you know, if you were a large company, if you were like my former employers, the government, they w weren't going to go, wouldn't even consider something like WordPress. They needed to have a supplier who they had a contract with. Uh, do you think that's probably changed now where There's, larger companies embrace yeah, it? I really haven't followed this debate, but in the UK, I, I occasionally hear mm. rumblings, and I'm sure that somebody more knowledgeable than me about this could, could alert me to this. There seems to be a lot of... So let's take the government as an example. We obviously spend mm. a very large amount of money on... For example, Windows licenses. I would imagine that almost every company, mm. sorry, almost every person sitting behind a government-owned computer is is probably running Windows. And I think there's more and more voices saying, actually, do you know what? The open source alternatives would save the Treasury, the UK, um, this mm. is the UK institution which controls the money. It would save us billions a year if we could use open source software. And honestly, for, for sending Word documents around, are things like LibreOffice and all those open office initiatives, mm -hmm. are they not good enough? Are we not just putting text and the occasional image and attaching a PDF and so on? Is this not good enough? And it feels like those voices are getting louder. And, and mm. you know, the purses, the, the strings on the, on the purses are tighter than probably they've ever been before. Mm. And so you would hope that open source will come and, and, and become um, more mainstream. Can you imagine if if yeah. Linux was started to roll out into government offices? Can you imagine being forced to use a Linux computer and realizing within about an hour and a half that it's not as bad as you thought it was? Sure enough, there'll be big humps to go through. But, it, you know, you've got to click on a different icon. The desktop looks different, but it all works. Might not have all the flashy bells yeah. and whistles, but it works. Imagine if government did that, how quickly it would that that yeah. tidal wave would just sort of roll across the country as a whole because everybody would be well no I'll just I'll get a computer with no software on it and I'll install Linux or I'll get a Linux software computer. So yeah, I I I think it's going to be I think it's going to be bigger in yeah. the future than it is now. Yeah, I I, I definitely think views on open source has changed over the years yeah. I've been using it quite considerably. Yeah, and it's it's. Certainly in WordPress, I think the nature of it has changed as well. But hey, we managed to get through this without getting all political. We yeah, no, we don't want to. We don't want to do the political section four. We? <laughs> we really don't. We do not. We're no. going to stay away from that. Can uh, I ask you a question? Do you, that, apart from WordPress, what what other open source software do you actually use? I don't, I don't mean on a daily basis, but that you may have come across that you that you kind of thought, oh, that's good. Oh. Uh, I was using Inkscape the other day yep. to do some of my vector stuff. I, I own um, a, a better software for doing that, but I still use that. That was free. That was very good. Uh, it is very good, yeah. The, yeah. Um, 
I used to use OpenOffice before yep. for a little while, but yep. I stopped using that. In fact, probably just because Google's taken over really for all my needs. But yeah, I I definitely. What use, about you? I use. I still use. I do use LibreOffice. I've got a. I've got a mm. bit of open source software to uh, called Sync Thing, which in my case mm. is just really a way of sucking photographs off my phone onto a computer, which then can be backed up. It's actually a Windows computer, but um, I've got I've got a variety of Raspberry Pis lying around doing various different things. Um, and on the on the computer, the the desktop side of things, I've got a few open source things which I use. So, like you said, I use VLC quite a lot for mm. basically playing any kind of media. Um, and well, I use a backup solution called Spider Oak, which I actually pay a fee for, but I think the software is open source as well, but I could be wrong about that. Oh, oh I didn't know that. And in fact, my voice is now being recorded by Audacity, which yeah. is also open source Really software. good, yeah. capable bit of software. I mean, you know, it'll do 99% of anything that somebody making a podcast like we do will do, and it's mm. completely and utterly free. I also in the past have used GIMP, to to do images mm. but i've i haven't reused that in years but i had absolutely no reason to move away from it except when i bought my mac there was this offer on a particular piece of software which i um which i bought and then that just became the default i also use um handbrake which is a piece of software yes. which enables me so for example the audio the video that we made make for wp builds on the monday show this week in wordpress i use that to squash uh, what can often be a 10 gigabyte file you just push it through handbrake yep. and it turns it into about a tenth of the size so it comes out about one gigabyte it's a remarkable piece of software actually because you don't you don't notice any degradation in the quality and and it's a, a tenth of the file size I, I don't know what i'm doing wrong <laughs> but it totally works <laughs> and there's probably a whole bunch of other stuff to be honest but i can't think of any off the top of my head but oh i'll tell you what else i use yeah. i use signal on my phone for um doing chat so it's a bit like um i don't know like an iMessage or a skype replacement um and it's completely free and open source and i use the brave browser which is um oh, yes. i believe that the whole chromium project is open source and it's based upon that so google's chrome is also open source but i i think that google's chrome has a, a variety of different things in it which brave have stripped out um, and they tout their privacy credentials. Honestly, can't say what yeah. what actual benefit I get from that, but I've I've definitely adopted that as well. Yeah. At the moment, I think with um, speed being such a focus on website building, the other open software, the open source software that I use the most at the moment must be Lighthouse. Right. That's also um, by Google, isn't it? And is open source. So people are doing stuff with that. I've noticed it's not mm. just uh, Google. Uh, page speed insights uh, there are some other online projects where they're including some of the other things that that measure as well appearing. yeah so. and of course there's my phone mm. i use android that's open source yeah i mean obviously yeah. there is a it, it very it, sort of real similarity between it and wordpress in a way it's completely free to download obviously a lot of the oem phone manufacturers the likes of oneplus and samsung and what have you have, have really benefited off the back of Google's hard work there, and they've obviously implemented their own hard work as well to add their own features and services, but totally free open source operating system. And whilst you may not enjoy the tracking that that would be switched on by default in many of the things that are shipped with an Android phone, my understanding is if you go and search hard enough, you can find OEMs where all of that is switched off. I'm not too bothered about it, so I just mm. I just buy a regular Android phone over the counter, but you can buy more privacy, privacy, mm. how to describe it, privacy-focused phones, but I think you might have to go searching a bit harder for them. Mm. Mm. Lots. Well, we've come off WordPress. I think we probably must be near the end of our chat. Yeah, we've we've gone for close to an hour now, David, and we, we didn't know whether we'd have a lot to say. So, um, yeah, what's next? <laughs> It's P for plugins, of course. Oh, I don't know yeah. What, what else? Talking about, but we had to do. Yeah. yeah. To what else one, could it, it be? P has got to be for plugins. So that'll be in two weeks' time. So um, I look forward to chatting to you then. 
Okay, I hope that you enjoyed that episode. Always nice to chat with my good friend David Wormsley about these things. This particular episode brings a lot up. You're relying on free software and all of the things that go with that. But I think we can all agree that WordPress is a fabulous thing and we're all better off for it. The WP Builds podcast was brought to you today by AB Split Test. Do you want to set up your AB Split Test in record time? The new AB Split Test plugin for WordPress will have you up and running in a couple of minutes. You can use your existing pages and test anything against anything else. Buttons, images, headers, rows, anything. And the best part is that it works with Elementor, Beaver Builder, and the WordPress block editor. Check it out. Get a free demo at absplittest.com. Okay, as I said at the top of the show, we shall be back next week for another episode because this week was a chat with my friend David. Next week, it will be an interview with somebody in the WordPress space. I did forget to mention that this week we also had a webinar with Leslie Sim from Newsletter Glue. So if you want to check that out, that's on the WP Builds website. Click on the archives menu and look for webinars and you'll find it in there. It's how we send out our newsletters. And I would encourage you to go and check it out and see what you make of it. Failing that, we'll be back on Monday for the This Week in WordPress show. But I hope that you have a good week. I hope that you manage to stay safe. I'm going to fade in some cheesy music and say bye-bye for now. <laughs>